Our summer series is called Following Jesus, and we're looking at the I Am statements. And today we're going to look at a couple of them, both of them have to, having to do with sheep. As we look at John chapter 10, I invite your attention to John chapter 10. For many of us, we may not have as much experience with sheep. I think probably in, uh, in America, if, if we've been involved with, with farming and we've had animals, it's probably been more with cows or chickens would be my assumption. Maybe some of you all have dealt with sheep. In some parts of the world, that is still very common to see uh, shepherds and their sheep out on the, in, the, uh, in the pastures and on the hillsides. And when we lived in Greece, that was uh, a site that was, that was very common in that, in that part of the world. Uh, in fact, I read that there was a, a situation that happened in Spain, also a country where they, where they have a lot of sheep. And uh, this was in Huesca, Spain, that at 4.30 in the morning, a resident there of the city reported a massive number of sheep coming through their downtown streets at 4.30 in the morning. In fact, this is a video of 1,300 escaped sheep making their way through the city street. Yeah, it's kind of, it was nighttime, so it's a little hard to see all those, all those uh, creatures making their way through. But it was quite a, quite a problem. In fact, the police had to find the shepherd. And can you guess what the shepherd was doing? He was asleep, right? Yeah, I'm sure. Probably counting sheep, you know, uno, dos, tres. One thing led to the other, and all of a sudden those eyelids fell. And, and uh, so that was, that was in Spain. I also saw that a little east from there in Turkey, there was another situation with sheep, and in this case, there were uh, some shepherds that were getting an early morning breakfast together. One of them looked out. Their flocks were all in one spot. They were, they were surprised to see a little sheep jump over the side of a cliff, but then they were, they were shocked to see 1,500 sheep follow him, one after the other over the cliff. In fact, uh, of those 1,500, about 450 of them died. Uh, they, they, in fact, uh, crushed each other as they went over the side. In America, the Washington Post had a headline that said, 450 sheep jumped to their deaths in Turkey. But in England, the Sun newspaper had a different headline. It read, Sheep Die in Mass, You Aside. You, yeah, I know. It must, must have been a dad that came up with that headline. I don't know. What's the point, you ask? Sheep need a shepherd. Sheep need that shepherd to give them guidance, to give them protection, even protection from themselves at times, uh, to nurture them, to care for them. That's what John 10 is all about. Jesus coming to be the good shepherd, that one who had been promised from, from ages ago to be that shepherd to care for his own, to provide what you and I need and that only he can offer. So let's look at John chapter 10. We're going to look at a very fitting metaphor today. And in fact, we're going to see that there are two statements, two of the I am statements. One of them uh, we will read is that he says, I am the gate or I am the door, depending on which version you are reading. And then a little later, we will see the familiar, I am the good shepherd. And so again, they both have to do with, with a shepherd watching over his sheep. Let's pick up in verse 1. He says, Truly I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. 
The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Jesus said again, truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. So this is the, the, the first uh, I am statement here in John 10, in which Jesus speaks of being the gate. In fact, our first point is this. I, Jesus is the gate that leads to abundant life. Jesus is the gate that leads to abundant life. We'll continue reading in, uh, in, in this chapter, and we will see the promise there of abundant life. This statement, I am the gate, is, uh, is really some very fitting imagery for the, for the shepherd. Uh, it may be something, though, that, that for many of us we're not familiar with. What would a gate have to do with, with a shepherd? And really to think through the, uh, the imagery of it, we have to know exactly how the shepherd functioned in that time. In fact, it wasn't uncommon for a shepherd to take a flock of sheep and go out from the, from the town and maybe go quite a ways looking for, for grass and pasture land and might even be gone for weeks at a time. And so if you look at the, the diagram, the picture that's up on the screen, you'll see this would be like a sheepfold that would be, that would be constructed uh, with, uh, with sticks, branches, and so forth. And you'll notice that there is an opening there. And that's where the shepherd would become the gate. He would protect the sheep by, by preventing some from entering and pre obviously preventing the sheep from leaving until it was time. There's another picture that shows one that looks like a little bit more of a permanent setting. But again, you'll see that there's not a fixed door or gate. It's the role of the shepherd to do that. And so as uh, one biblical commentary, uh, commentator was trying to understand how this worked, he was uh, on a trip to the Middle East and he, he came across a shepherd uh, who, who was even still shepherding in a manner quite like this. And it was a, a shepherd who was not a believer. He was a Muslim shepherd, but a very similar type of shepherding. And he asked the shepherd how all this worked. And here's how the shepherd explained it. He said, when the light is gone and all the sheep are inside, I lie in the open space, and no sheep ever goes out but across my body, and no wolf comes in unless he crosses my body. I am the door. And so when Jesus said the words, I am the gate or I am the door, that's exactly what the people in that time would have been thinking of. Here's one who is offering guidance and here's one who's also offering protection because they knew that when the shepherd said he was the door, when he was the gate, he was controlling it both ways. And he was offering to those who were listening a promise that he would be both their protector and their provider. Let's continue looking. We, we read up to verse 8 in, uh, in uh, John 10. Speaking of the thieves and the robbers, this idea that there are some who pose as shepherds or those who, who try to take advantage of the flock by, by coming in, he identifies them as thieves and robbers. He says in verse 9, I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. Did you hear that? If anyone enters by me, he will be, what's the word that's used there? Saved. He will be saved. This is a matter of life and death that we have the shepherd to protect 
and to provide. And listen to verse 10, a thief, a thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But what does Jesus say? I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance, an abundant life that the shepherd offers to those who will come to him. And so if he is the gate, if he is the door, what is our response? We must come through it. We must approach him. We must recognize who he is, what he has promised, what he has offered, and ask ourselves whether or not he is our shepherd. That's really the, the point of chapter 10. In fact, it will bring about an argument at the end of chapter 10 that we will see because they were arguing on whether or not he was who he said he was. An argument, a, a debate that is still happening in our day as well and may be happening in your mind as you try to understand who is Christ and how do I respond to him. Well, in the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, uh, God was speaking through a prophet named Ezekiel. And he had a message to those who were spiritual leaders in the day. They were set apart and uh, the word shepherd was used for them as well to be, to be caregivers of, of God's people. And yet Ezekiel came with a very harsh word because the shepherds in that time were not caring for the flock. They weren't providing for the flock. They were, they were taking advantage of the flock. And so, so this is what he says in Ezekiel chapter 34. It says in verse 1, The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the Lord God says to the shepherds. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Shouldn't the shepherds feed their flock? Verse 4, you have not strengthened the weak, healed the sick, bandaged the injured, brought back the strays, or sought the lost. Instead, you have ruled them with violence and cruelty. Verse 5, they were scattered for lack of a shepherd. And so God speaks through Ezekiel to say, look, you don't have faithful shepherds among you, but I have a solution. I have a plan because Ezekiel 34 isn't just a word against the shepherds of that day. It was also a promise, a promise that God would provide another shepherd and so as, as the people in that day were hearing what was recorded in John chapter 10, and Jesus is speaking of being the gate, of being the shepherd, they would have been very aware of the words of Ezekiel 34. Let's, let's continue reading and we'll see that, that there is this promise in Ezekiel 34 that, that God would send another, and this time he himself would be the shepherd. Look at verse 11. For this is what the Lord God says, See, I myself will search for my flock and look for them. As a shepherd looks for his sheep on the day he is among his scattered flock, so I will look for my flock. I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and total darkness. I will bring them out from the peoples, gather them from the countries, and bring them to their own soil. I will shepherd them. So do you make the connection there? Through Ezekiel, God says, I will be the shepherd. I will be the one to rescue them. I will be the one to care for them and to guide them. And then here we have Jesus coming along saying what? Saying, I 
I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. And so the connection here of a, of a strong claim to divinity, the fulfillment of a messianic prophecy. And again, if you jump back to John 10, the text for today, we will see that they understood. They made that connection. Look down at verse 28. Excuse me, 27. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And here's a beautiful promise. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Now look at verse 31. Again, the Jews picked up rocks to stone him. Jesus said, Jesus replied, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these works are you stoning me? We aren't stoning you for a good work, the Jews answered, but for blasphemy because you, being a man, make yourself God. They were making that connection. The John 10 passage to the Ezekiel 34 passage, they understood the claim that Christ was making. He wasn't claiming just to be any other earthly shepherd. He was claiming to be the Savior shepherd, the shepherd king, the one who has come to, to give ultimate guidance, to give ultimate lordship, to give ultimate provision as a Savior. Well, we see that in this in this situation, this is a strong claim. In fact, it goes right along with the verse that we were looking at today, verse 15. If you're memorizing this, it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. The image of the invisible God is who? Jesus Christ. As we memorize this passage, it's also known as the hymn to Christ, the Christ hymn. Because it speaks so clearly about who he is. And it fits perfectly with the I am statements that we are looking at. Especially the idea that Jesus is the one who has come from God. Who is this, the, the heavenly shepherd. The invisible, the image of the invisible God. Let me make one other quick observation about Jesus being the gate. Or your version may say Jesus being the door. As we think about Christ being the door for new life. Let us also remember that when we come to Christ, he is closing the door on the old life. All the past sin, all of the past guilt, all of the, the, the bondage and the pain that the old life has brought, that door is what? Closed. And we have, according to verse 10, a new door that's open. A new door to abundant life. And so for some of us this morning, that may be what we need to take away from this passage. We may need to be mindful of the fact that that old life, the door, the gate to that old life can be shut. And we don't have to let it have power or strength over us any longer. We can instead enjoy the grace that God has given. We can, we can enjoy the forgiveness that he has extended. And we can no longer, we no longer have to live under the bondage of the old life. And so, yes, verse 10 says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And one way that he does that is he continues to try to keep us in bondage to the old ways, the old way of thinking, the old way of living. And yet Jesus has come and said, what? It is finished. You are forgiven. You are mine. 
All of the old ways, they are, they are separate from me. In fact, I will remove them as far as the east is to the west. That's the kind of complete and total forgiveness that Jesus offers. So yes, as we come and we look at this idea of him giving abundant life, let us also be reminded that the old life, the old ways, that can be closed. That door can be shut once and for all. And I know that there are some people here today, maybe who are languishing in guilt, paralyzed by guilt or fear. And I would just say, receive the forgiving grace of God. Allow, allow that past life to be over. Allow this new life in Christ to begin. In fact, verse 10 references it as an abundant life. So that's our first point this morning. Jesus is the gate that leads to abundant life. Let's keep reading. Let's pick back up in verse 11, and we'll read through verse 15. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, that would have gotten their attention, because this is going further than what they may have expected to hear. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Now, this is a powerful promise. It reminds us of our, of our second, our final point this morning. Jesus is the shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Now, folks, this would have been moving into a category that was unexpected. For him to make a statement so strong that, that as a shepherd, he would lay down his life. They would understand the shepherd as one who nourishes, who guides, who protects. But to lay down his life? Just think about it. The shepherd dies so that the sheep can live. This is, this is going next level. This is going into the realm of, uh, again, of a messianic prophecy that he would come to be the, the suffering servant. And of course, they would understand this even more as they get into the, the days of his, of his arrest and his crucifixion and his resurrection. They would begin to, to piece these statements together. But he is already preparing them that he has come to lay down his life for the sheep. We have the doctrine of substitutionary atonement being laid out. That one can take the place of another. That Christ can take our place. Receive the, the, the punishment, the penalty of sin that he didn't commit. But receive it upon himself in our place. The sheep, the shepherd laying down his life for the sheep. Just think about the heart of this kind of shepherd to protect and to provide even to the point of sacrifice. It reminds me of a passage out of Matthew chapter 9 where Jesus is, is looking out over the crowds. And as only Jesus could, just think of what he might have been able to see with the kind of knowledge that he had. It's his, it's his heart of, of compassion, his heart of, of a loving shepherd looked out over the crowd, over the multitudes. He saw all kinds of things. 
He could see the physical infirmities. I know many came to him for that kind of healing. But he could see even beyond that. And he could see into the hearts and the souls. He could see into the past of each one who was there. And look at how he responded to them in Matthew 9. Verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dejected. Some versions say harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. You see, there's the heart of Jesus. There's the heart of a shepherd. He looks out and sees them. And he says, I know I can provide what they need. I know I can feel the hunger that they have. I can see it all over them. And I have compassion to come alongside and help them. Now let's stop and just take that, that thought one step forward. What if Jesus were standing right here and he were looking out over this crowd? And in fact, we know that Jesus, in fact, does look out over this crowd, doesn't he? What does he see? What does he see as he looks at the crowd that's here this morning? What does he see as he looks at each one of us? What kinds of needs are present here that would prompt him to have compassion? See, folks, sometimes we think of the compassionate shepherd back in those days, which he was. But he's a shepherd who rose from the grave and who is alive and today is the good shepherd and wants to be the good shepherd for each and every one of us. He wants to approach us as we are. He wants to take us where we're at. He wants to close the door on the past and offer to us abundant life. You see, this is what he sees. This is what he offers. He wants to guide. He wants to protect. He wants to provide. He wants to heal. He wants to nourish. The question is, will we come to him as our shepherd, because throughout John 10, we see that contrast. We see that there are those that are not shepherds as Christ is, that take advantage. And maybe you've experienced that. You've experienced that from, from, from this world, those who come alongside and, and hurt and harass and cause us to have all kinds of struggles. So again, it's as if this passage is is, uh, is asking us to look at ourselves and to see ourselves as a people in need of a shepherd. We haven't read verse 16 yet, so let's look back at that one. It says this, But I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd. Do you think that's part of the call today? Just think about it. Are we part of that? Do you think verse 16 is, is talking about those who, would, who were not of the pen back then but, but have been born and live and now have opportunity to follow him as shepherd? I believe that we're, we're being referenced here. I think he is, is saying, I didn't come just for the, for the, the, the people of Israel. I have come for, for other, pe other sheep, other people who are not of that pen. And he's come to every, every tribe and tongue and nation as we've been looking at all week in our, in our vacation Bible school. He has come to be the Savior, the shepherd of the world. And so maybe today you would say, I've, I've not been a part of his sheepfold. And I would say today could be the day. Today could be the day where you draw near to Christ as Savior and shepherd and allow him to provide and protect 
just as that gate to the sheep pen has already been described. There was a book that was written many years ago. In fact, my mom had it when I was a kid, and I remember reading through it, called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. And it was written, uh, obviously, by a man who was a, was a shepherd, but he was also a preacher. He was a Bible commenta uh, commentator. So he wrote this book about what it was like to read Psalm 23 from the mindset of one who had raised sheep. His name is, is Philip, Philip Keller. And he was raising sheep in East Africa. And in this book, he has, a, he has a, a very compelling account in which he describes raising his sheep in his pasture, but having a fence next to another area of land. And across that other area of land was a, was a, a man who, who, was a, uh, who was renting the ground. And he was not caring for the, shepherd, or for the sheep in the same way as, as Philip was caring for his sheep. He said as he looked across the fence, there was such a contrast. Here his sheep had this, this wonderful pasture and it was, it was green and they were, they, were, they were thriving and they were being helped and protected. But then right on the other side of the fence, it was as if they were overeating the pasture land, overgrazing it and there, there wasn't much grass. And the, and the shepherd wasn't attentive and, and there were a number of the sheep that had been attacked by, by wild animals and they'd not been cared for properly. And so they were, they were thin and they were, they, were, they, were, they, were, they were not looking healthy at all. And he said, I'll never forget this picture in my mind and seeing these sheep from the field next come right up to the fence and stare out over my pasture and look out over my sheep. He said, I could see these blank stares in their eyes as if they were wishing they could go from this pasture to the other. Folks, let me ask you, what's the difference? What's the difference between those pastures? The shepherd. It's the shepherd. And folks, we have people all around us, all around us that are, that are living in that overgrazed pasture. Some may be here with us today that have not yet come to that saving shepherd who longs to heal, who longs to protect and guide and provide. Maybe on this Father's Day, we would look to the Heavenly Father and say, that, that is what's missing from my life. That is what I am, am needing now. And I want to follow the one who is this kind of a shepherd. This morning as we conclude our time, we're going to have a response as we do each week. We're going to have a time to, to reflect upon what we've read. And as we, as we move into that time, I want to read the end of our text today because it has a very probing dialogue that I think is still relevant for us today. If you look down at verse 19, it says this again. The Jews were divided because of these words. Many of them were saying, he has a demon and he's crazy. Why do you listen to him? Others were saying, these aren't the words of someone who is demon possessed. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So folks, can I ask you today, who do you say that he is? When you think of the name Jesus, when you think of the good shepherd, who to you is Jesus? Today could be the day where you respond. Maybe you have a question about what that means. Over to the side, we have some tables set up. And each week, we have a, a time of response. And if you'd like to talk with someone and pray with someone, they will be there in just a moment, ready to receive you and, and, and talk with you about any questions you have about what it means to know and follow Jesus. 
as Savior and as Shepherd. Or maybe today you, you know the Good Shepherd, and yet, yet, yet you, you also realize that life, even with Jesus, can be really tough, can be really difficult, really painful. And you need someone to come alongside with a word of, of encouragement or maybe to pray with you. And that's what they're there for as well. They'll put a hand on your shoulder and, and whatever it is in your life that you'd like to, to, to have prayer about, they will pray with you today. So in the, in the time of the closing song or right after it's over even, feel free to stop by. If you'd like more information about the church, if you're a guest, we have a packet of information, a gift that we'd like to put into your hands. So, so please drop by one of those tables before you leave today. But this time, I would like for us to, to bow together and to pray. I'd like for us to, uh, to come before the Lord as the shepherd. I invite the ushers to come to receive the offering and the prayer and encouragement team to make their way. But would you bow with me? Let's pray and ask the Lord together today to meet those needs that only a shepherd could meet. Our great God and Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that today we can hear your, your voice say, I am the gate. Your voice say, I am the good shepherd. We thank you for the precious promises that come from those two statements that identify not only who you are as a God, but who you are as a caring and loving Savior. Father, we pray that you will apply these words into our hearts and minds today, regardless of the situation that we find ourselves in. We know that you are able, and we know that you care. We know that you have compassion, and we pray, Lord, that you will be at work, that you will speak truth, that you will speak forgiveness, that you will give hope, and assurance today as only you can. Father, may you work during this time of response. May you bring people into your fold today. We thank you also that we can receive the tithes and offerings this morning. We pray that you will bless them and use them, that they will, that they will be resources of the gospel into this community and around this world. If we pray this in the name of our Savior, our Shepherd, our Good Shepherd, Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, Amen.